Welcome to the F1 Stop Show. I am your host, Sam Oni, and with me we have two great guests tonight, Henry Broxton and Wes Spearman. Lads, how are you this evening? I'm doing good. How yeah, are you doing, good, Wes? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Interesting I'm good race good. at the weekend. <laughs> yeah, and it's good to be back on the podcast because I genu- I think I've got when a whole the last time? season without <laughs> coming. I think it was genuinely the livery ratings, which was right, right, <laughs> right at the start. The start of the season. Yeah, I don't right. think I've been on since then, <laughs> and we've already crowned we've crowned a world champion. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> right, round nineteen, I believe it was, and uh, well, Japan produced some rainy, rainy, rainy days, if you like. So uh, let's jump into it. As you said, Henry, a new world champion was crowned in Max Verstappen. Back-to-back world championships, two-time champion, same as Fernando Alonso. Now, lads, how would you sum up Max Verstappen's season so far from start to finish? Who wants to go first? This always happens <laughs> on, with Henry. us two, doesn't it? We can't decide who wants to go first. Um, yeah, uh, completely dominant different to last season because it just seemed like he was always going to win it even from the I know he didn't win the first race but it just seemed like he was just so raring to go I know there was um you know Leclerc and Ferrari were having problems week in week out I think that did help a bit but even if, even with him finishing some of the races I don't think he would have won them um, we might have gone to like maybe the next round round after maybe even a couple of races from the end going to like Sao Paulo or something with, you know, he needs to win to do this to win or whatever. But I think he was always going to win it. Um, I, There wasn't much doubt in my mind. Um, that the I said this a few when I was on before that there's a project going on at Red Bull and it's, it's if you're not a Red Bull fan or a Max fan, it's scary because I think we are in the Max Verstappen era now and a second, I think it's going to be, not going to be his last, definitely won't be his last. Um I think there's plenty more to come. So, yeah, completely dominant, great car, great driver, and we're we're in the Max Verstappen era now. Simple as that. Now, Wes, I'm sure you know Max didn't have the best of starts to the season. I mean, a couple of DNFs in Saudi Arabia, I believe Bahrain was one of them as well. I can't remember. But uh, after that, uh, Max Verstappen then said, this was a time ago, he said, my title chances of you know, to go on, I, I, I can't do anything about it. But I don't know, 18, 19 races later, you're world champion. So what, what, what is the mindset of Max Verstappen? Because he seems to just, I don't know, destroy everything that comes his way, if you like. I mean, yeah, it was, I suppose, in hindsight, quite funny when he said back in, it was only about five or six rounds into the season when he said, oh, title's gone it's going to Ferrari but I don't think he could have predicted just how much Ferrari balls it up essentially for a large part of sort of the, the middle of the season if you like and yeah they had a few issues as well reliability what what have you but a few driver errors into that um a couple of mistakes from Leclerc at um Imola and uh France was it the other one um Paul Ricard um and then yeah ever, ever since those sort of middle rounds, Verstappen's title lead has just skyrocketed, really. And here we are, what, four rounds from the end of the season, and he's a two-time world champion. And as Henry said, he's been completely dominant. I mean, he he won this race by 
25, 26 seconds. <laughs> Didn't you say that before recording this this video that he'd that he'd win by twenty seconds or more? I, I think yeah, I think it was last week. You asked sort of what the margin of victory would be. I think I said twenty seconds, yeah. so I wasn't I wasn't too far off in the end. Um, but yeah, just looking back at his race wins throughout the season, I think every, I can't remember a single one of them being close at all. <laughs> I can't remember him sort of having to fight too hard to to win if you like um he's just more often than not led from from the first couple of laps and just absolutely bolted left everyone in his dust and it wasn't any different this weekend in, in Suzuka and I suppose he got a bit of help from his teammate Perez um sort of forcing Leclerc into the mistake at the end if you like um Leclerc obviously handed a, a, the five second penalty off the back of that um I'm not sure whether Ferrari are, are appealing that because it, it was handed out quite quick and I think Verstappen was only told that he was world champion by Johnny Herbert in the in sort of the post-race interviews, which is is an interesting way to find out you're world champion. And I think I saw somewhere that in pretty much every well, like the top four divisions of racing, the the world champion has won the championship whilst not in the car or something, whilst not actually on track. So yeah, obviously, have Verstappen winning it in in sort of Park Verme, if you like. I think the F2 winner was racing in. Sort of Italian F two or something or Drugovic or... was it Drugovic? I think so. Yeah, Drugovic was Drugovic crashed yeah. out and then he was watching at the pit wall. Yeah, I remember that and he <laughs> won it from the pit wall because um, Thierry Pochet didn't finish as high as he needed to or something. Yeah, I can't remember who won in F three, but I think in, in British F four the the winner of that was racing in Italian Formula Four as well and um, W series. Really sad news that they can't finish the last three rounds of their series. But Jamie Chadwick, a three time world champion pretty much sitting at home i'd imagine um so yeah it's, it's an interesting way to to crown a champion and i just hope for max's sake next year he can win it in more normal circumstances as opposed yeah, to, 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 to the team he's got now few seasons we've seen hamilton cross the line and he's been champion and they've got like all the montage and things and fish happen well he had that last season but you know it was disputed and people were like what what happened there what, what? and then this season he cross a line. We all thought, oh, it's going to Austin, and he probably win it in Austin or whatever. And mental scenes to be told by Johnny Herbert, and then still not really know because if you look <laughs> at the cool down room, he was like, I'm not world champion. And Perez, because if you listen to the audio right at the start, Perez walks in and goes, World champion, not world champion. He goes, No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And then you see Charles <laughs> Leclerc's face drop as he t- as they tell Verstappen to go into the reserved for world drivers championship champion room, and he just just couldn't believe it. All three of them were, you see their faces, pictures, absolute pictures of just shock and awe and whatever. So yeah, a weird way. And I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of the fella, but I do hope that he gets a proper world championship where it's not disputed and he crosses mm. the line and he can celebrate. Mm. We we didn't now, even see Verstappen win the race until he was pretty much at the end of the first corner on TV yeah. anyway. Yeah. We didn't no, even... I think he'd crossed, already crossed the line, hadn't he? When they, he... When they cut to him. Yeah, he'd already crossed the line. He was going into the first corner because, I suppose, understandably, the focus was on Leclerc and Perez. But we didn't see, we didn't get that iconic Crofty commentary that we had for last year or mm-hmm. Hamilton seventh in twenty twenty. So uh, I wonder what's happening, yeah. what's going to happen with Drive to Survive. Whether they'll get Crofty to record sort of a separate piece <laughs> of audio just to to slot in there. But, um, yeah, yeah you also because obviously 
us doing um, sports journalism, we obviously know how things are cut together. And the montages afterwards, they were like adding Crofty's commentary of just like, you know, because like when Lewis won it, it's like, and Lewis Hampton is world champion. You've got Crofty saying it as he's on the podium going, and here is much for Stappen, he's world champion. He saw in the montages, it didn't seem as epic. And it was so <laughs> funny because it was just, it was so like, he was just talking. It wasn't like he was shouting it. So yeah, that was quite funny. If you watch the montages back, it's it's like it goes and oh, Max Verstappen crosses the line to do, to win at Suzuka, and that's it. Max Verstappen, world champion, when he's on the podium. <laughs> so it, it is quite funny. Um, but yeah, hopefully next season. Uh, well, I hope it's not him next season. <laughs> but you know, what I mean, I hope if he does get another one, I hope it's in good in good taste or whatever. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. Now, the race itself was, uh, shall we say? A rainy day with um, re- red flags, green flags, cars going everywhere. But uh, I think one of the biggest points during that race was, um, well, Carlos Sainz, you know, crashing, you know, mid- midway through the first lap. And, uh, you know, the weather like that, it's not always easy racing with uh, intermediate tyres, wet tyres. And uh, it was quite a struggle as well. So, could you say that point kind of set off, you know, just put the race in motion, if you like? Well, it stopped the race, didn't it? I mean, <laughs> it ended <laughs> it. For, I got up at 5.30 in the morning to watch one racing lap for a, <laughs> for a two, in a two-hour window. What what happened there? It was awful. I mean, any other day, I would have been like, cool, let's just chill, you know, get, grab some whatever. It was it was literally six o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and we'd only see one race lap, and they were saying it was going to be an hour an, an hour and a half minimum. So yeah, it was it was gutting, but yeah, um, I think we'll come on to the the uh, tractor gate or whatever it's called. Um, but yeah, I think that the aqua, the aqua was just it was just going to happen. I mean. It, the, I'm surprised that the, it, around the first corner that everyone was okay. I, I think it was quite an impressive feat that they all got through the first corner pretty much unscathed, and the, and the move that Verstappen did on Leclerc was just incredible, especially in the wet in those conditions while they were on intermediate. That was George oh, Oh, amazing! Like that was a championship winning t- um, overtake, and it turned out it was a championship winning overtake. But um, it was a matter of. Um, when, not if, at that point. Um, but yeah, I think that you know, Carlos Sainz got the brunt of it. Alex Albon, I think, had a bit of issues, and mm-hmm. you know that led to the biggest controversy of the day. I think so. Yeah, if you want to go on to that. <laughs> well, it brings us to our second point because you know Carlos Sainz in the barriers, and at this point, red flag, and you'd expect, you know, you'd expect a marshals the crew to come and collect the car well in this case it wasn't all well said and done because uh pierre gasly plus tractor equals what should i say almost near-death experience if you like and uh it wasn't the best situation in how it was handled because you know gasly feared for his life he was he was scared as it Every any any driver would be scared. So, uh, where's what? What's your view on that? On how it how it all transpired, how it how it went about, and was it right for the tractor to be where it was? And given that the mar- there was a marshal there as well, I mean, it's absolutely horrendous from the FIA that 
they've allowed that to happen. Um, I mean, when science crashed out, um, was the aquaplaning intermediate tyres on a circuit as as wet as that, and pretty much the drivers were forced onto into because the wet tyres this year are so bad that <laughs> they're so slow. They just there's just no point really running them, so they have to be on the inters and. We'll see, in, as, as I said, conditions as, as wet as it was at Suzuka, then there is that element of, or, or greater element of risk, and yeah, it didn't work out for science. And we saw Hamilton and Alonso battling it out, and I think both, or yeah, pretty much both of them, and maybe someone else has came quite close to, to hitting science's car, so that could have caused a sort of a multi car pileup, if you like. But, um, yeah, Gasly. He had to pit at the end of that lap because he got a bit a piece of advertising board stuck on the front of his car. He couldn't see. So he had to box for a new uh, front wing and, and put on some wet tires. Um, and yeah, obviously brought out the safety car. He had Gasly at the back of the pack, sort of going at not quite not full racing speed, but sort of um, fast fast enough, if you like. I think it was over two hundred kilometers an hour, which is still pretty quick. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the, for whatever reason, the FIA decided to bring uh, recovery vehicles onto the track to recover Science's car, whilst the F1 cars were still on track. And some people say Gasly, oh, he went past it too fast, but he, he was nine seconds under the delta time that he had to he had to race to. Um, yeah, if he aquaplaned as as Carlos Science did, then we'd have lost uh, another driver at, at Suzuka in six years, eight years, sorry. Um, yeah, you know, the fact that I mean, it's just as I said at the start, just horrendous, and there's no reason whatsoever for a recovery vehicle to be on track whilst the F1 cars are still out there, albeit not racing. Yes, the race had been at least under safety car, if not red flagged by that point, but the cars are still out there on track. They're still going at 70, 80, 90 kilometers an hour, whatever it be, at the front of the pack, and obviously Gasly, he was allowed to to catch the the pack up. Um. And yeah, we're just thankful that he's still alive, quite frankly. And the marshal that was pulling the car out of the wall is still alive as well, because it was it was only a matter of a couple meters, and a couple meters at, at that speed in the rain, you can quite easily go from oh everything's fine, everyone's alive to could have potentially seen two fatalities there. Henry, what's your view on this uh, about how this all happened? Because you, well, F1 Twitter, rather, they didn't. It was awful, appalling, if you like. Yeah, I think we talked about Gasly going past it, but actually, even though they're behind the safety car and going much slower, almost, I think the whole pack went past it while it was on the track. Low visibility being one, the wetness being two, and three, obviously, obviously this was... They put the blame on Gassi for this, which I think is horrendous. But then again, it's a separate incident. It was going too fast under red conditions, whatever. But it's the, those three things could have resulted in something ten times worse than, a hundred times worse than what actually happened. I mean, I just think like going back to obviously Jules Bianchi, rest in peace to him. Like that wasn't even on the track, and look what happens there. I know we've got better technology and the halo and you know trying to foresee make the cars as safe as possible while whilst, while still being the pinnacle of technology and as fast as possible and the fact that we could have lost any of the drivers mainly Pierre um on Sunday is just just you just don't want to think about it and 
there's going to be a full investigation on it. I know people are pinning it on Gazi for going too fast, but there is no, it's two separate incidents. It's two separate things. I know they happened at the same time, but Gazi going fast on the red flag and the track to be on the track are two separate things. It just happened to collide and hopefully they did, <laughs> luckily they didn't collide. Um, but it's just, it's just horrendous and it has no point. We might not know what happens with it. We know that the drivers will talk about it. I know that Vettel is the, you know, the spokesperson for the drivers. I'm sure he'll have something to say about it. And people will have stuff to say about him that he can, you know, talk about. And they've talked to the media. Gasly talked to the media. Checo, all of them have talked about it in, in anger and disgust. So something will be done about it. And hopefully it never, ever happens again. Not Never mind a, a death, just anything on the track that it shouldn't be. Um, especially in those conditions, it just was a—it was almost a perfect storm, wasn't it? Now, just one final thing on this subject: Why do you think the FIA has a problem when it comes to making the rules for on-track situations? Because it seems that when you make the rules, nine times out of ten, or ten times out of ten, they're not followed. Do you get what I mean? They're not followed. Why do you think that is? Because surely if you put rules in place, <clears throat> excuse me, they're supposed to be followed, you know, for safety reasons, for to ensure that good, clean racing happens on track. But then again, you don't follow the rules. I mean, goodness knows what happened to what happened in, in that steward's room for them to decide that then was the right time to bring on a recovery vehicle whilst Gasly was still on still on the track and yes not racing speed but still you had to catch the pack up because I, I think at the point you passed the the tractor i think it was still under safety car conditions the race hadn't been red flagged yet um i think you actually got the penalty i think it was like a 20 second penalty or something at the end um was i think later on in in the grand prix for i think turn 14 15 wherever that is on suzuka i'm not entirely sure um but yeah i mean the last year and a bit hasn't hasn't looked great on Formula One and the FIA for various reasons. I mean, Spa last year, for example, Abu Dhabi last year, Saudi Arabia last year, Suzuka this year, um, cost cap, which we'll get on to later. Um, whether Suzuka was four points or half points in the rulings around that to do with red flags and length of time you can race or whatever. Um Things need to be more airtight and a lot more airtight. There, there seems to be a lot of grey areas in in the rulings over the last, as I say, year and a bit. Um, that yeah, F one and the FIA needs to to look at the rule book <laughs> at the end of this season, or or if not now, they've got a week until COTA. So um, whether they can take a look at things in in the in the interim, I suppose. Um, yeah, a lot of work needs to be done to stop. You never want to see a recovery tractor on vehicle whilst cars are still on the track because, as we saw eight years ago with Jules Bianchi, the tractor was was in the gravel putting out the car and yeah, it, it lost the life of, of a hugely talented driver. Um, yeah, um, as I say, F1 isn't looking great, or certainly the rule makers aren't at the moment, and hopefully they can they can rectify that for next year. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Although there was, um, I don't know, harsh, well, well, not harsh, although there was some bad points, bad areas in Japan, we did get some good 
we do get to see some good racing in Suzuka, you could say. And uh, in terms of like midfield battles, because you always want good racing. Now, if you're a Mercedes fan, Lewis Hamilton, George Russell probably had an okay weekend in Suzuka, but you know, if you're Lewis Hamilton and you're trying to get past Esteban Ocon, who's in a car that's not so as quick as yours and is defending like a lion, then of course you're going to have difficulties. And uh, well, hats off to Esteban Ocon because hey, Hamilton is not an easy person to defend against. Or to, yeah, you get what I mean. Yeah, I mean, um, it gave me a bit of flashbacks to Hungary in a way, you know, wet, a wet weekend and an Alpine blocking off a, a Mercedes. And it was weird because obviously last season it was a different spec and this season obviously the Mercedes just doesn't have the straight line speed. I was like, oh, here we come to the final straight. Like, here comes Hamilton and oh, Ocon's just faster. How that works, I have no idea. And Ocon, brilliant driver. I've always think it's brilliant. He's not had the chance to, you know, be at one of the big teams and the fact that he's been, you know, darting around and, you know, well, he's been in the same sort of team, hasn't he? And he's, you know, gone from different ones like Renault and Racing Point or whatever. But it's all been sort of like the, the same team. Um, I've, I think he's brilliant. Obviously, he's got Alonso who's moving next season, but you'll have Gasly. It's a brilliant team. I think that the Alpine collective, whatever, you know, if they're going to stay Alpine for the next few seasons, or just that team, should really push to be that fourth, maybe third team because they have the chance now that you know Miss uh, McLaren and sorry was McLaren and <laughs> and um, you know other teams have have dropped down a bit. I mean Mercedes for one, they're not as good as they used to be um, last season. Um, so yeah, I think that you know Aston Martin were tipped to be quite good. I mean they were just racing point a few seasons ago, and now they've moved on to. Aston Martin and they're just not as good so yeah they've, they've really got a part to play in the next few seasons I think of being that you know fourth maybe third team if, if they're lucky uh, and two great drivers who I think have still got a massive future in F1 two brilliant French drivers and yeah I think that it was a brilliant midfield battle and Ocon had every right to finish in that fourth spot so yeah great drive from uh, Esteban great guy Wes what are your views on on seeing Ocon versus Hamilton because that was very exciting. Yeah, as Henry said, almost flashbacks to Hungary. Um, yeah, I mean, what a sort of... It, it wasn't a mini-battle, it, was it was a proper out-and-out battle for fourth place. Um, it was less than a second that, that separated them at the end. And I remember seeing them go pretty much side-by-side side through 130R twice in wet conditions. I mean, fair play to both drivers for putting that off. I mean... I think 130R is one of the great corners in, in Formula 1. And if you get two cars side by side, it, it just makes it look even more awesome. Um, and yeah, two incredibly talented drivers. And yeah, for what for whatever reason, Mercedes just didn't seem to have the pace compared to to, to even Alpine. I mean, I think Alpine have had a, a quietly, extremely good season, especially Ocon. I mean, they're fourth in the constructors now. They've, they've, they're ahead of McLaren uh, by 13 points. And Ocon himself is is eighth in the um, in the drivers championship. Um, Alonso with sixty five points, Ocon seventy eight in, in both in eighth and ninth. And yeah, as Henry said, Gasly moving to Alpine, which we'll get, cover a bit more detail a bit later. But um, yeah, two incredibly talented young French drivers. Um, and that youthfulness, I think they're going to make a, a good team. And yeah, I don't see why Alpine can't go from strength to strength and yeah, maybe challenge for that 
for that best of the rest spot and potentially challenge if, say, Mercedes or Ferrari, if one of the big teams messes up a bit next to you, then they could be could be challenging for, for podium positions in that third place in the constructors. Now, if we thought one midfield battle was good, how about two F1 titans going at it side by side in Sebastian Vettel and Fernando Alonso? Because battling for P6 and, you know, 11,000 11, sort of a second between them. That's pretty. Oh, I think it was. Oh, I think it was a better battle than the Ocon Hamilton. As good as that was, Definitely, I think that was yeah. better. You know, the quality of drive. The, the, you got to think these are both of the multi world championship winning drivers. Six world championships between the two. Six. And cars that you know are, I would say, kind of similar, but like again, cars that you know weren't as good, and they're pushing them both of them to their limit. Like they're both in almost the same spec car. It was just, it was just brilliant and. It's weird that, you know, Vettel sort of won that in the end, you know, being in a slightly worse car. Well, we just talk about how good Alpine are at the moment, probably a, a lot worse car, really, and just pushing it all to the limit. I think that and the respect that they sort of have for each other, yet they're still, you know, fierce and, and aggressive, but yet still, you know, uh, uh, what I can't think of the word, just so <laughs> cautious. Yeah, aggressive at the same time, if you know what mm. I mean. Like sort of racing, but still, you know, not wanting to take each other off and, you know, yeah. keeping that thing. It's just respectful racing. And I just think that was amazing from those two. And off on and off the track, they're both quite similar. You know, they've got that calm manner, you know, they want to do well. And, um, yeah, both great guys. And I'm happy that they got such a high place. And then especially Vettel with his final race is one of his favourite tracks. So, he deserved that and driver of the day, rightly so. Now, Japan, Suzuka, full points, half points, what do you call it? Because if you don't, right, if you don't race to its required laps based and, and you have, you know, red flags, green flags here and there, you kind of wonder how many points are the drivers going to get? Are they going to get the full accredited points? Are they going to be slashed in half, you know, three quarters, you know? And uh, it's another thing that came up in in this race, which, uh, well, we I don't know. Do we know the answer to it? Should it happen in F1? It's it's a weird one, isn't it? Because, I mean, we, we look back to Spa last year and they had what, two laps of racing, racing in, in quote marks. Um, no, I think... <laughs> we wait, ladies and gentlemen. We waited what three hours. That was a long for the rain time. Yeah. To start. <laughs> I think in any, any other circumstances, Spa would have just been cancelled, but because of time and conditions, they've decided to keep trying, and that is allowed. But yeah, I think that the official ruling is you have to have at least two laps of green flag conditions, which Spa didn't have, and. For some reason, point, points were still awarded, albeit not full points, half points, obviously. But um, yeah, it's, it was it was weird because they they got past the halfway mark in terms of distance and laps covered, um, and the race ended under green flag conditions. So, as, as the rules stand at the moment, full points can be awarded um, if they got to half race distance and it would have been red flagged and and not resumed. Then. A, think it would have been half points um or three quarters points or 
some sort of reduction <laughs> in points. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a weird one because I think if uh, I think you can go racing for two hours within a three-hour time limit or something. So I think it. I think the race started at two o'clock or something Japanese time, or just after two, and then well, they had the delay for I think it was over two hours, and then they got back running again at I think it was about quarter past four local time. Um, and they had roughly 40 minutes left. So they essentially went racing for about just under 45 minutes. Um, which, I mean, if we look back to Singapore a couple of weeks ago, then I think if they raced for 45 minutes there, that would have been half points because they wouldn't have reached half half race distance. But it's, yeah, it's a weird one because I think technically if you get five minutes in at the end, you race for like three laps or something, then, <laughs> then half points can be awarded if the race runs, ends under green flag conditions, which... Yeah, I mean, as said earlier about these grey areas in the FIA's rules at the moment, and yeah, I, I don't know how I sit with that to be honest. Because uh, yeah, they went past half race distance, but there was a long, a long gap, and they didn't complete seventy-five, or they didn't get past the seventy-five percent threshold which they need for four points. Yet four points were awarded. And I remember watching the Channel Four highlights back, and you had Alex uh, Jackson commentary with I think it, it was about three minutes to go, saying, "Are oh, those graphics you see on your screen?" awarding four points they're not correct but as it turns out <laughs> Jake, uh, jakes is wrong and four points were awarded but um yeah it's, it's it's a weird one and i suppose technically it was right to award four points but yeah I'm, I'm not sure how i feel about that given the race only went yes it was over halfway distance but i think there should have been some sort of reduction in points whether it's half points or, or three quarters i'm not too sure but yeah it's, it's one for the fia to to sort of ungrey if you like make more black and white more concrete going into going into next year and season beyond yeah i'll i'll continue on that and said that i i've been looking at like reasons why and i watched a youtube video today actually that sort of explained it so basically there's a in the fia rules article 6.5 it said that the reduced points allocation um applied to the event basically says that only half points or reduced points will be awarded if the race directors i.e. the FIA, abruptly end the race in between the, that three-hour period. So if it goes, if it, it comes to a conclusion, whether that be the two-hour timer or the three-hour timer, as long as they've done over two laps, it will be full race points. So you can technically start um, two, min- two or three minutes before the three-hour cutoff mark, do two racing laps and be awarded full points. It's a really weird loophole and, you know, patch in the rules but it's to make races you know come to a conclusion and still have four points so we basically it was it's it's a bit of um we've been tricked to thinking that race points are only are halved and whatever because of spa last year i think we're still thinking about that but basically what remember what happened in spa is that the race was cut off by the race directors and the fia this race race to a conclusion and it finished at the end of the three hour um race window and not the two hour race time because obviously they you know they lined up in the end and one overtook the other and whatever we know that so that's the reason why four points were awarded but because of spa last year f1 fans were going oh we're going to get this and to be fair the commentary team kept on updating us i mean i, I definitely tweeted that out they said that the f1 commentary team kept on going oh we're at the point of 25% or at the point of point of 50% or at the point of 75% or it'll be 75% points. So 
you know, match which happened won't win. Five minutes later, he's won it. It's confusing. Like you said, we need more clarity. We need, we need, we need it to be black and white. But it's just a weird loophole that somehow decided the championship. And you know, if it was a few races ago, you know, we probably would have felt, thought, oh, okay, it's four points, whatever. But the fact that it's just decided the championship is why we're thinking, hmm, FIA, sort your stuff out. Especially in a race where there were so many controversies as well going along with um, just that. So yeah, mental race and a weird loophole and patch and hole, uh, plot hole or whatever you call it in the FIA ruling. So yeah, that's the reason why. If you don't understand it, there was a YouTube video. There's a YouTube video by Chain Bear. It's a really good one that explains like the whole situation. Um, so yeah, check that out. So it, seems, <laughs> so it seems the FIA have a lot of homework to do in terms of how they make their rules, you know, so that it can flow properly you know, and it's followed to the book. You know what I mean? Not adding stuff that's not in the book. It was followed to the book. It's just that we didn't we didn't know that it, they were doing it to the book. We thought it was something else. So they have done it to the book. I'm not defending the FIA because I think they, they, they need to sort them stuff out, but they did do it to the book. Mm-hmm. It's just they did it too much to the book. We should have seen it differently to what it is in the book. So they need to almost, you know, <laughs> reinvent the wheel in a sense because they need to sort it out so it's more clear for what book is, uh, Which book are we on now? <laughs> just the any how book, much, just how the much book, book is right? The rules in. <laughs> so we don't know. That, but the thing is, I was, I was going to say this before, but we moved on. They make the rules. They can break the rules. They're not laws. Like, you know, with football, the rules in rugby, they're laws. You know, if you do something bad in rugby, they're, they're rugby laws. Football, the, the rules are meant to be broken. F1, they're rules. They're made to be broken. And who who's the the, <laughs> the person at the top and the, the society at the top that can change those rules? It's the FI themselves. So they can do what they want, really. I know they could be, um, especially because sports get sports get so much more popular now, it's more people be scrutinising them. Um, but you know what? They can do what they want. And, you know, they will get backlash no matter what they do, I think. But it's part of the sport. So a lot happened in Japan and, uh, you know, Max Verstappen became a two-time champion. But other than that, inside the race, we did get some things that you never thought had happened. Like, who would have thought we'd see a Schumacher on the top of the the timesheets? That's right. Mick Schumacher was leading the race in Suzuka. For like half a second in Silverstone <laughs> passed him again, but yeah, good to see. It was dead quick, wasn't it? But yeah, it was. Yeah, I saw someone on Twitter that printed out the graphic of when Schumacher was on the top <laughs> and they framed it on the wall. So I thought that was quite funny. But yeah, was, when was the last time we saw Haas at the top, other than, you know, when they've been out first in a practice or qualifying session? I don't yeah. think we've seen that at all. So yeah, brilliant for Haas, but, you know. They were waiting on a safety car and it never came. So it's their their important they drop down quicker than a blooming. <laughs> and uh, another thing, Nicholas Latifi, a man who is a quiet driver, if you like, does get himself in the occasional incidents or so. But uh, he managed to get his first points in F1 this year, going from last to P9 meaning that all 20 drivers who have raced this season have got at least one point this season. It's great to see that Latifi's, you know, in the top 10 because, you know, 
he hasn't really had the best of racing in his career in F1. But it's nice to see that. Now, F1. In the world of F1, we've got other news for you. Drivers. It's always great to hear driver news. And, uh, well, let's kick. I think we've got some tasty ones here. We've got Pierre Gasly going to Alpine next year for 2023. Now, I mean, I'm very excited about because Gasly's a great driver. He's won a few races. And uh, he's going to a team... That, that can really push push for best of midfield, if you like, or even try and sneak into the top three in the future, in years to come. And uh, what do you make of the move for the team and for Gasly? Wes, let's start with you. Right. <laughs> I was wondering if he was going to start there. Um, yeah, I think it's a pretty good move. Um, I suppose it was heavily rumoured, I think, where Gasly would be going, especially... Uh, once Alonso left to join Aston Martin, um, and yeah, French driver, French car, French teammate is. I mean, they're just going to make the car out of baguettes next season. I think Alpine, um, uh, perhaps not. Um, I saw that tweet. I saw that tweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think yeah, I think it's a very good move. Alpine, a team um, who have been sort of on the up a bit recently. Um, sort of, I think for me, I think they're a bit of a quiet team. The team that sort of quietly do well, as as I mentioned a bit earlier on, um, and yeah, they're fourth in the constructors at the moment. As I said, best of the rest. Um, I don't see them beating Mercedes, Ferrari, or Red Bull for, for that third place in certainly the next sort of few years, but potentially five, six years down the line, maybe um, if there's another regulation change, perhaps who knows? Um, yeah, I think. I mean, Ocon, as mentioned earlier, is. Is a quality driver, Pierre Gasly. Yes, he has he has that race win under his belt. Well, both of them have got their <laughs> race win under their belt. I think I saw their their career stats are actually quite similar. They've both got a race win. They've both got pretty similar within only like a couple of podiums of each other, a couple of race starts as well. Um, yeah, I think the sort of the fresh start for Gasly will will, will work quite well for him because he's he obviously started off with uh, Toro Rosso quite a few years ago now was it four or five years um i think they changed to alfatari in his second year or third season in f1 um so he joined went up to red bull when or oh, who was it not doing very well i can't remember now it wasn't kvyat <laughs> i can't remember someone left red bull and then pierre gasly was joined. Hartley? Or it, it might have been hardly it might have been when ricardo left red bull to join so renault was gasly was promoted to red bull um for a little bit, and then they brought Albon into Toro, Toro Rosso, and then they did the switch around halfway through the season. And I suppose going back to Alvatari did Gasly some good, got him a bit more time to get used to F one, if you like. And having said that, is I, I don't really see him going anywhere in Red Bull at the moment, especially with obviously their golden boy Verstappen, and I think Perez is going to stick around for a few more years, and I think they're one of the best driver pairings on the grid. Um, so yeah, I think a fresh start for for Gasly will will do him good. Going to a new team, new engines, um, sort of whole different dynamic. If you like, there's no sister team, there's no junior team, big team. If you like, compared to Red Bull and AlphaTauri, um, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out for him. Sort of a, a, a free of the shackles, if you like. We saw with um, Bottas moving to Alfa Romeo, and he's done pretty well for himself. I think um, sort of having that freedom to. Well, just be free, really. I suppose um, no team orders and yeah, no sort of helmet marker and Franz Toss sort of 
micromanaging your career if you like going from one team to the other within the space of a season so i think it'll be a good move and yeah hopefully he'll be, he and ocon can can push Alpine to as I said solidify their position as best of the rest and who knows maybe challenge challenge the big boys in a few years time henry where do you think this moves where do you think this move um uh what's the question where do you think the move like helps the team in terms of like reaching the constructors Standing. Um, like we said, it's a young, fresh team. I know there's been rumours that they're not very good friends. I think that'll go out the window. I'm um, Esteban seems happy that Pierre's joining. Pierre seems happy to be joining. I know he's sad to leave Yuki. I know they're good mates, but they'll still see each other week in, week out. They just won't be working as closely with each other anymore. Um, but I was just looking up because you're saying they're both young drivers. I was like, I'm pretty sure they're like the same age. They are. They're, they're like a few months apart from each other, so they're, t- they're both 26. Um, so, yeah, they, they've got, if you think about Hamilton, 37 now, they've got 10 years in them yet. Um, that's, you know, if nothing major happens or whatever. And, you know, I mean, probably at least four or five minimum um, for both of them. So, you know, they go from strength to strength. Like I said before, I know Wes was saying maybe not Mercedes calibre, but, you know, McLaren challenging them for that fourth place spot I think can happen in the next year or two and then you know five six years planning but I know we said that you know the Renault the Renault team um we thought were going to be up there but they never really got there and you know they've changed to Alpine and you know thinking can they be that fourth best of the rest and they really can prove themselves next season I think um and they, they've taken I think they have taken the new um let's call it the regulations quite well um, unlike some teams, uh, so Mercedes. yeah, I think they're going to go from strength to strength. <laughs> Mercedes, McLaren, <laughs> Aston Martin, who were racing point and they were good, and now they've just fallen back. Haas and Williams don't seem to be any better. Haas have had a little bit of an improvement, but um, you know, just, just only on one that. better than Williams probably. But just on that, I think yeah, maybe Gasly's leaving AlphaTauri because they're ninth in the constructors at the moment. <laughs> Haas have leapfrogged them. Yep. They're, they're level on points, but. I've not quite sure how Haas are ahead because I don't think they've got better um, sort of race finishes than Avatari, but yeah, quietly it's been a it's yeah. been a poor season for Avatari when a stunner one for Haas. That, I think, yeah, because you think that uh, I'm still yet to see anything from Yuki, but I know that Gasly is a very very good driver. You know, got that race win last season, um, a really good one as well. You know, holding off science for multiple laps and to win in Monza, not an easy track to navigate a car like that around so yeah brilliant and obviously a good uh, good uh, track for that car um you know winning a few years back um was it Vettel the Tarosa as well so yeah it's it does seem a strange one that they we see Alpha Tari's you know middle of the road but actually they really aren't doing that well this this mm. season so um yeah almost jumping ship in a way I think that Red Bull uh Put in a lot of money, maybe even too much money, into their own team. <laughs> they, they're forgetting about the sister team. Was that a good segue? Was that good enough? Was that good enough? Still another driver, driver to get for yet. The best. No, I, before we go on to the, well, well, we're going to talk about the next. I'm pretty sure. But the best tweet I've seen today is like. Um, when it said Red Bull gives you wings, I didn't mean chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> As I did got basically, I think they've just shifted. You know, the, the, the you know that when like the the bar goes up, they said that you know they cost 
where they've spent money on the car goes over. They've just swapped it for catering and said it was, you know, <laughs> we would have let all the staff go hungry otherwise. Uh, but it's a good move. Yeah, I, I saw that. They should be, be penalised, but yeah, we'll get on to that. <laughs> so, Yuki Sonoda has a new teammate at AlphaTauri next year. His name is Nick DeFries, former Formula E champion with Mercedes E. Um, Mercedes EQ team, you know, um, and Nick DeFries is the kind of character who would you say should have been in F1 a few years ago? Maybe say, yeah, should have been in F1 a few years ago, maybe before. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, potentially. Um, I think he's got this seat largely off the back of his standing duty in Monza where that was an unbelievable drive. I mean, the first time is, yeah, he's had, he's had the odd testing session, but first full race in a Grand Prix car at Monza, pretty much the, the highest speed track on the calendar. Um, yeah, to come away with ninth place, two points. Um, I mean, the only driver not to score points this year is Nico Hülkenberg, <laughs> technically, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's it's, it was, it's a bit of a weird one for me, I think, because, I mean, yes, the three should undoubtedly be on the grid I think but I didn't see him going to Alvatari I didn't see him joining a Red Bull based team when he tested with I think it was first of all Mercedes early on this season then he had a test with uh, Aston Martin and then the the Grand Prix with Williams so with a vacant seat at Williams with Latifi uh, not on the grid next year it would have been all, ideal all, to all, money, all are on DeFries sticking with his Mercedes roots, as you mentioned, Mercedes EQ Formula E champion and going to Williams. But yeah, it's it's a bit of a weird one, but I think it sh- it should be a good a, a good one because as we've seen, DeFries is is a hugely talented driver, and he he just needs to be on the grid, whether it's AlphaTauri, Williams, Haas, whoever. I'm I'm just glad he's got a seat, but yeah, a bit a bit, a bit of an odd choice. But he just wants to be an F1 and. Avatari's a, a good way into that. Right. Before we move on to the cost cap with Red Bull, 2023, who finishes right, a random race, Bahrain, for example? Gasly or Ocon, who finishes high in Bahrain? Ocon, for me. Henry? Used, used to the team, used to the car. Yeah, I think that, that would be the same reasoning for me. I think he's just going to be used to it. I know there'll be pre-season testing or whatever, but I think he's a better driver as well. I, I do like Gasly. I'm a big fan of Gasly, but over the two, it'd have to be Ocon, just because of the, you know, he knows the car better. This will be the same regulations or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'd say Ocon. Looks like we're all going for Ocon then. If if we if we were in Bahrain next year and and everything, right? Well then. Who quali- who gets who who out qualifies who more next year? Nick DeFries or Yuki Sonoda? That's a tough one. <laughs> from what we've seen, from what we've seen, it's it's gotta be DeFries, doesn't it? I mean, I know Latifi's race for Williams for so long and he beats him in one race. I think that's that and I think Yuki like I said before, Yuki's yet to prove himself. I haven't seen anything special from him yet and this season, like you said, the the bottom then the second from bottom in the constructors. I mean, it sort of speaks for itself in a way. Um, I'm going to go to Brees. I'll go to Brees. Now, whereas you said it's a tough one, I 
remember the question is how qualified. So yeah. we're talking about qualifying. Yeah, I, I can't remember how many times Sonoda's outqualified Gasly, but it can't be that many. Um, yeah, having said that, I think Sonoda will. I think it'll be close between them, but I think Sonoda will just have the edge, just because, as, as I mentioned earlier, just that familiarity with the car and the team, and you know, for De Vries to go from pretty much Mercedes his whole life into Red Bull and, and AlphaTauri is, I know, at a certain level, all the cars are, are the same, but there's certain things that are slightly different and way things work and yeah i think sonoda will, will just have the edge but yeah i think it could be could be interesting because i think on paper i think de Vries is potentially got more talent than sonoda but yeah they're as as, as we said with, with ocon and gasly they're, they're both young drives they're both extremely talented and yeah i think it'll be be very close to see who who out qualifies who and and the points come what roughly this time next year Honestly, I'll be very interested to see that qualifying between the two AlphaTauri drivers. Who knows? Maybe Nick DeFries might, you know, produce something like, like never before. Anyway. Win the championship. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't mean like that. But, but hey. But hey. Anything can happen. Anything can happen in F1. Right. Last topic of the evening. Coscat. Over the last few days, F1, Twitter, the FIA, it's been all about the cost cap. How much money does each team get for the season? How much budget we're getting? How you spend your money may just define your season. And, uh, well, when you have a budget, the whole essence of it is to, well, not spend more than your means, right? And, uh, well, if you do, there's going to be implications. And uh, like we saw on Monday, yesterday, Red Bull and Aston Martin, as it as the two teams revealed, fell short of the uh, F1 budget. Or, or went over it, <laughs> more likely. Or went over it. <laughs> yeah, they fell case. short. Yeah, they, <laughs> that, they, would, they fell short. They went over it, didn't they? Well... I think Aston I didn't was it Aston Martin procedural or something? Procedural, I think procedural yeah. that's what they I think I think that means that they didn't show their the right funds. That's what I've got from that. Whereas Red Bull have spent over because initially it was like um Aston Martin were in the five the, the rumoured that Aston Martin were in the five percent and Red Bull were over the five percent. And then Williams have done something, but I think that's irrelevant. Um but then it seemed it's sort of like they both came down a category. So Red Bull went into with Aston Martin within five percent, and then Aston Martin went down to where, you know, it was just sort of like they didn't really prove the funds correctly. If that's mm. what I gathered from that. I don't think they've gone over. They just all they think they almost did, and they didn't want to show that they almost did. I think. Yeah, I'm not too sure what it means really, but yeah, is it going to have any implications on Aston Martin at the end of the day? Maybe a reprimand, and that's it. I don't really see them being fined or. Point stopped or whatever, and yeah, Williams slap Williams, on the wrist onto what? Yeah, pretty much. Well, having said that, Williams, as you mentioned, Williams were fined twenty five thousand dollars in June for a, a procedural breach back in May, um, which they then obviously rectified. But yeah, asked, um, Red Bull, sorry, five percent minor overspend breach or whatever it's called, bit of spending five percent more than the budget, which is I think it's one hundred and forty two million pounds dollars something. Um, 
so yeah, that five percent I think equates to roughly seven million, if my maths is right. I could be yeah, completely what wrong. is one four five one four five million, <clears> which oh, will go down to one forty next season because it's going down by five million every season mm. until mm. they find a good even match. Because obviously they're trying to get the teams closer together. So yes, yeah, so it's about seven point something million. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be some sort of serious punishment because I mean, eight of the ten teams fully complied with the regulations and the the cost cap rules were, were within budget. even Haas. <laughs> well, Haas I, I don't think Haas would have been much of an issue because they. I don't think they have the money. Near. I don't think yeah, they, they have the money. money. <laughs> That's why the cost caps are coming down to make those teams at the bottom closer together to the ones at the top. It's it's. I think you've got to put props onto Mercedes for the last season. Um, I know Ferrari obviously said that they were saving their money up for the following seasons, but I think you've got to take your hats off to, to, to Mercedes because I think they could have, if they wanted, you know, if there wasn't a cost cap, I think they would have spent loads and loads and loads mm. more. The reason the cost caps, what it is and why it's coming down, to put the teams closer together. So, yeah, I don't think the likes of Hass and Williams have that money. Yeah, but true. it shows on the track. I mean, apparently Aston Martin have. They obviously haven't done much with it. But... <laughs> <I know. laughs> what have they? What have they overspent but... on? <laughs> Not showing any results. Saying, like what, what could they possibly <laughs> yeah. have with their money? And all the reserved money that's and obviously maybe more maybe that was put aside for Avatari. They've moved it over to Red Bull. You just <laughs> you just don't know. That's why they're not doing that well this season. Um, so yeah, but I don't think, like I said, I don't think Aston Martin have done anything. Wrong, I think they just didn't prove the funds correctly. It's the, it's the Red Bull thing, and you know, if we're talking about controversial ends to a season, could they get it stripped from him? And will, will Lewis even want it? That's the that's the other issue. Mm. Will Lewis even want it? Um, is another matter. But it's weird because it's going to always this one. You know, this season he's won it well so far because I mean, they might, the money might come out for this season and they might be over again. But there's always going to be a star next to Max Verstappen's name, I think, for mm. last season's title because there's just so many con- controversies around it. But yeah, it's just unacceptable, really. Yeah, I think I, I, I think WTF1 did a, a video on it, and for a minor breach, they said the the, the potential punishments were deduction of drivers and constructors' points, whether that's this year or retrospectively. Uh, added, <laughs> if that makes sense, to last year, uh, deducted from last year. Um, suspension from one or more stages of a competition like missing a race or qualifying or limitations on aerodynamic and other testing and a further reduction of the cost cap for for next season which i think is probably looks like the most likely or the most sensible thing to do um yeah either way whatever happens red bull need to be punished for this and i think the f1 the f1 the fia sorry and f1 possibly need to make a, a bit of an example of this of the red bull to show what could happen if you do break those rules those rules are in place for for a reason it's to bring the teams closer together to make the racing more interesting and engaging um and to make it more more of a level playing field and yes you are still going to have that disparity at the end of the day with big boys red bull mercedes ferrari spending more money than your Haas and, and your williams but you want to see more even racing and i think <clears throat> this year has done that with the regulations and the introduction of, of that cost cap um but yeah whether as we mentioned whether it's going to retrospectively impact the 2021 season whether that's drivers points constructors points um i mean there's already enough controversy about last year as it is without this added on to it as well but um yeah i think i mean if they deduct points for this season i don't think it's going to have too much 
impact on it. Max is, in in terms of the driver standings, well in front. Mm. If, even if they deduct a hundred points from him, he's still in quite comfortably in the lead. Um, I think there's like a two hundred and sixty point gap or something in the constructors between Red Bull and Ferrari. So again, not much is really going to be uh, impacted there. But yeah, whatever happens, I don't really want to see a fine because Rebel can just pay that pocket money for them. Basically, a fine, even if it's millions of millions of pounds. Um, yeah, something whether they get suspended for a, a race or two or further reduction of the cost cap for next year, I think would be the, the sensible way to go. But yeah, some sort of example needs to be made, and so you can say, oh, it's a, it's only a five percent overspend but still millions of pounds at the end of the day it's more than Williams and Haas will spend on on certain things throughout the course of the year so yeah they, they need to be punished and, and punished severely yeah like you said Wes they need to there needs to be an example shown here because if it's not a big punishment other teams might think oh let's give that a go and you know we get certain take certain things taken off us I mean you know Red Bull won last season they're going to win this season like you said, they've taken 100 points off. They've still won this season and last season. I mean, that's that's the thing. And so the teams might think, oh, let's overspend, win the championship, and then next season we'll just pay the forfeit for that following season and, and go from there. So um, I think what was what was the one that was that was a good one? I mean, a fine, yeah, like you said, pocket money was all right. Um, I saw a good idea, but then it was – he sort of, like, shot it down as well. It was, it was a guy called Tomo. On, on YouTube was saying that they had like um it was called something like a baluster which is like an extra weight to the car yeah baluster so yeah. It, by how much you've done like what the what the level is you get a certain weight added to your car so it will obviously slow down the car um so no team would want that because obviously you know in this sport if you look at the the qualifying for Suzuka there was not much space between it and the team you had a, a a weight to the the car that could send you right back to the back so. Yeah, I think that they have to be made an example of. But you know, going back, going, you know, we're going to strip that title from you. It ruins that moment of we'll always look back at that and go, you know, that wasn't right. I think it just ha- it has to happen now. It's happened. It's in the past. You can't you can't really change it. Um, but yeah, maybe next season that was the one. Next season they get something. They get the cost cap reduced further for them. But then you think. Other teams might go, oh, yeah, we'll do that. And then next season we'll get reduced one. But then, you know, the following season we'll be all right and then do that again. And so you need, you need something that, that shows an example that, that can't be exploited and loopholed um, that yeah. will deter other teams from doing it. Um, so, yeah, I think that maybe, you know, instead of 114 million next season, their cost cap is 135 or 130 or something like that, which is still a lot of money. Um, but it does, you know, hinder them slightly so a lot has happened in this episode or I should say the last episode and a bit really we've had wet racing a lone tractor tractor disturbing you know on track racing and Max Verstappen has become yet another world world champion again two time to the max yeah what a hashtag not really a fan of it. Um, well, it's been a it's been a pleasure to have you guys on tonight's episode. So hope you've enjoyed it, and to all our viewers, hope you've enjoyed this episode as well. And it's almost just a week until we go racing again in Kota.
the USA, Austin. But then next season, well, well I'm not even going to talk about next season now. We've still got five races to go this Let's season. just enjoy the... As I, I said this on the tweet out. Let's just enjoy these last few races because we've got four left until the long, long winter break. But not one, yeah. quite a, do you know what? We say long winter break. It's quite a short one because we start quite early next season because 24 races... Ooh, 24 is it 24 23 24 24 races my word anyway that's that's the discussion for another video <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's time for another that's time for another episode so please do not forget to follow us on twitter instagram you can also email us at f1 stop show at gmail.com we hope you've enjoyed this episode i've been your host sam Oni, and uh, it's a goodbye from me bye-bye and it's a goodbye from Wes. Bye-bye. And Henry Buxton. See ya. Stay safe. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, we've only got a week until we arrive in America for the, well, USA Grand Prix. Number two, I believe. Number two? Yeah, yeah number two. Well, ladies and gentlemen, bye-bye.